0: Welcome to another distinct nostalgia by MIM.
1: Brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms and Mersey Care NHS
0: Foundation Trust. Staying well, staying home. We've delights to come for all soap fans in coming weeks and months. Among other things, we'll be remembering the early days of Emmerdale Farm. We're back on Brookside Close. There's loads of Weatherfield memories in Corrie's 60th year. And we'll be checking in at that Midlands Motel again. Plus, we've some international soap fun to come as well. But this week we're back in Walford as we continue celebrating the very early days of EastEnders in its 35th year. He was one of the original stars and the country affectionately took to his character and his hapless ways very quickly. This week we've been chatting to none other than actor Tom Watt. So transport yourself back to February 1985 and our first sighting... Of Lofty Holloway,
2: Tom. Thank you very much indeed for joining us and uh, to talk to us about. I mean, we're going back thirty-five years. Uh, you were one of the. Am I right in saying you were actually one of the original? Were you there on the first in the first episode of EastEnders? Second episode. Second episode. So yes, original, but uh,
1: the character didn't appear until the second episode.
2: Right. Okay. Okay. And what you know? What are your memories now of that particular? moment in that particular time well I don't know about that particular moment exactly
1: but you know obviously it's a very very long time ago um, and I had just I'd been running a for years I ran a small-scale touring theatre company based up in Manchester and that kind of kind of ran out of steam it was just you know I was kind of getting by on extra work and um, little sort of a line here and a line there work from Granada TV and Yorkshire TV and other members of the company were kind of signing on and do you know what I mean you just get to a point where you think you know we're not actually making a proper living doing this so it gets to a point where it feels a little bit indulgent so I knocked the theatre company on the head it was a great time public spirit the company was called and it was a great time but it just kind of ran out you know it, it run its course and I just decided to move back to London and to kind of go uh, just to try and make it work as an actor, really. And um first job I got when I went back was, funny enough, I had to go straight back to Manchester and I was um, a lead in a pilot for a, a kids' TV series for Granada. So this thing was called The Old Firm. It was pilot for a kids' TV series. And it was me and uh, a fellow who a lot of people may remember, actually, the late Brian Kant, who was a bit of a kind of legend of children's television, really, as a presenter, for the most part, kind of play school and stuff like that. But he was acting in this and we were this kind of weird detective agency. So I did that and was kind of waiting to find out if that, you know, it was a pilot for a series and you wait to find out if the series gets commissioned and probably if they had commissioned it i would i would never have done eastenders because i really enjoyed it it was brilliant it, you know racing around audley edge in bubble cars and stuff and you know breaking into houses and you know doing detective type stuff it was it was uh, i really enjoyed it so while i was waiting i was a, a member of an actors cooperative down in london called actorum which is still going strong now and one of the other people was a guy called rio fanning who was one of the original he was an actor uh, who I did act with, actually, later, uh, later on. But uh, he, at the time, he was writing for EastEnders. He was one of the, the original team of writers. And Rio put me forward, you know, put me up for the part of Lofty. And I went down and met uh, Julia and Tony, um, Julia Smith and Tony Holland, and read with Gretchen Franklin, uh, who played Ethel. And um, he, I, I remember me and Gretchen argued terribly before it but the reading must have gone all right but uh, because they cast me and as it happened the old firm didn't get commissioned so ended up doing EastEnders which it goes without saying was kind of best thing that could possibly have happened to me really and my sort of memories really because you're not you don't really go into something like that thinking what if or is this going to mean dot 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 you know you don't imagine what EastEnders might be you just it's regular work and You know, it was quite an exciting group of actors and very, very good scripts right from the start. And you could tell that the writers were kind of watching what you were doing with the character and they were kind of writing to that. You weren't kind of fixed. They were finding their way as well and adapting to the actors who'd been cast in the roles. It was was very kind of, it felt pretty creative, to be honest, all round. And, of course, we had time. On our side, in that we were only doing two episodes a week, so it wasn 't like you know actors now in in soap operas I think really have to work hard if you 're turning out three four episodes a week that leaves you so little time to rehearse. We had the luxury of you know rehearsing in rehearsal rooms before we ever got to the studio, which kind of unheard of now I would guess in in the world of soap opera um, so it was it was a really a really, really enjoyable process. And as I say, it was just a case of kind of regular work, doing the job as well as you could, having fun with, you know, there were some amazing people on the show and just cracking on, really. And it never crossed your mind
2: what, what this might lead to or what EastEnders might become. So when you first got wind of it, of course, I know BBC had had soaps in the past but they'd not they'd never been particularly successful with soap had they compared to ITV so this was the this was their you know their big moment sort of shine kind of thing did you realize when you first got wind of it that it it was actually going to be a soap opera or did you think it was just a, a series that might last a short period
1: oh no no it was always pitched as a soap opera I mean the contract was a year I think the first contract was was a year which you know you'd never get a year's contract on a drama like that I mean no no it was um no, it was always going to be a soap opera. That was, that was kind of on the tin from the start.
2: And did you know or understand much about your character at the first at the beginning? Obviously, you did the read through. You say we Gretchen, but did you know much about the kind of character uh, Lofty was going to be? I think all the characters kind of evolved a bit. To be
1: honest, that's what I mean. It was. I think it was a genuinely quite creative quite creative process, really. I think that, you know, yes, there was a character breakdown. Yes, I knew some of the characters' history and some of the characters' kind of what they were thinking the character was going to be. I mean, I actually, I seem to remember lying about my age to get the part because he was supposed to be younger than I actually was, but I always played young. But it was clear because it was a soap opera, they were, they were definitely casting to type, if you know what I mean. And so in that sense, I sort of blagged Lofty a bit because it doesn't really have a barring an uncanny physical resemblance. He and I didn't have that much in common, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> but it was what was great was that you kind of, you know, you got your first scripts. And as you played the part that had been written by the writers, you definitely got the feeling that the writers were watching what you were doing with the character and then adapting to it. Do you know what I mean? It was was a really, really interesting process. Something that I guess wouldn't happen with a, you know, with a, 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 say, a six part or an eight part drama. It it wouldn't happen. You know, you'd have your scripts and then that would be it. But obviously with with a soap opera, with a drama serial. Yeah, yeah. Serial drama, whatever it was. That's going on. So, you know, you're working and the writers are working for two two months, three months down the line and stuff, so they could adapt what they were doing. And, you know, you really felt that you were able to help create the character. Not by talking about it. I don't remember ever having conversations with any director or any writer. Uh, Some of the actors did, I know, but I never did. I just played the character as I saw it on the page. but, But I was very conscious over the course of that first six or eight months that it was kind of developing that the character was changing slightly. And I, I remember seeing, I don't know where I came across it, but I remember seeing the original character breakdown that I was probably given at, at the audition. And although it had certain characteristics were already built in there, actually the character of Lofty, you know, six months in, was very different from the character that, that they'd cast, if you, if you get what I mean. And, and that, was, that was a really enjoyable process to be a part of.
2: Yeah, no, I can imagine. I can imagine that was uh, enjoyable, and as you say. You had you had more time back then because you had two only two episodes oh, yeah. a week and all the rest of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just absolutely. take us back then. So, w- w- am I right in saying his backstory was that he'd been a soldier, hadn't he? Is that right? Yeah,
1: he'd been a soldier, and uh, I mean this is a long time ago, so bear with me if I kind of um, if I'm struggling <laughs> a bit with some of the detail. But um, yes, he was a he had always I think had kind of come from this family. was a bit of a kind of loner, a bit of a a loose cannon. Had had always wanted to be in the army, had joined the army and then had been discharged on medical grounds because he had asthma. And it was like this kid who'd had a dream and that dream had been nicked away from him almost by chance. And it's like, what's the rest of your life going to be about when the thing that you thought you were your life was going to be about gets taken away from you. That was the kind of fundamental conflict.
2: Yeah, and for, uh, funnily enough, I, it's bizarre, actually. I was thinking about it. Know, I know several people, actually. Not not exactly the same thing, but I know, I know several people who haven't been able to continue in the forces for one reason or another, including medical reasons, and then they've, they've, been at, you know, they've come out and they've, they've struggled to find a role, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and I guess, you know, that was... You know that was very much the case with uh, with Lofty. Struggling to find a role was about right, really. But that said, he had great qualities as a human being, great qualities, and that actually meant that, you know, he did find it. You know, all right, it was only working behind a bar, but he did, he was able to kind of become part of a community and find a place in a in a community and find a kind of you know find a sense of purpose one way or another whether that was being at the pub to you know to um when the barrels got delivered or whether that was kind of you know marrying a single mother whichever it was he he did rediscover a sense of purpose
2: how many of the people who were in the program at the time had you worked with or did you know any of them before you not at all not at all
1: no the only person i knew was one of the writers. I'd, I'd been at university, yeah. I'd been away travelling for a couple of years, acting, then ran a, this small-scale touring company in, um, in Manchester, Public Spirit, for four or five years. And I was doing quite a lot of work for Granada. I mean, the casting department at Granada was sensational, to be fair. They were very, very supportive. They loved Public Spirit. They loved the theatre company and were great. You know, literally, if we didn't have a gig one night, I could phone up and they'd get me extra work for that day. They were absolutely,
2: absolutely that brilliant. Was the, that was the heyday of Granada, wasn't it, really, that period? Yeah, well, and Yorkshire as
1: well, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. that was... And actually, I was in the street. I mean, obviously, if you're doing extra work for Granada, you end up in the street, don't you? And I remember, remember them saying, look, make sure you... Keep your back to the cameras because there might be, a, you know, we might have something better for you in a, in uh, Coronation Street at some point in the future. So if I was on the street, like on the bins or whatever it was, then they always wanted me to have, make sure I kept me back to the camera because they didn't want to cast me in a, a speaking role at some point in the future if I'd already if my face had already been seen um, emptying bins with uh, with Jeff. What's his name? Eddie Yates.
2: Yeah, Yates, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, you, you, yeah, so you appeared with him, did you, at one point? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. excellent, yeah. excellent. One of my favourite characters in Coronation in Street. And of yeah, course, yeah, and you, well. and you're right, Yorkshire TV, uh, I mean, I grew up in Yorkshire, so I, you know, I know all about Yorkshire, you know, watching um, Emmerdale, obviously, and Calendar was our big local news programme, and everybody thought, I mean, that was a great thing, wasn't it, about those ITV regions. They, they gave every region a real sense of identity, and there was so much creativity no, going on, wasn't there? So much yeah theater. yeah
1: absolutely, absolutely. They were real, um you know it was uh I think for kind of regional television, I mean you know that is just long gone, that kind of thing that you know even even the stuff that gets made in the regions these days, it feels like it's being doled out from London, whereas back then, which would have been what the, in the seventies at some uh, yeah seventies you know, you, you felt Granada was a thing on it, it was a force on its own, do you know what I mean? And You didn't um, need London,
2: you, didn't need London at all, did well, you? Well, absolutely,
1: yeah. and 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 Yorkshire TV as well, to a slightly lesser extent, but, you know, Yorkshire had a real, I mean, one of my uh, longest standing friends actually was, ended up, he was a documentary filmmaker based in, at Yorkshire, and you know, he became head of docks at, when he became head of docks at, at, at Yorkshire, that was kind of you know that was a real sort of um, that was a, that was a job to do it. Then it, yeah, had a, it yeah. was a job with a real identity and stuff.
2: You exactly. Know? Well, you yeah. had you had of course you had Granada with World in Action. You had uh, Yorkshire with First Tuesday, wasn't it? I think they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, yeah. and then and of course Yorkshire was also known for a lot of its comedies. David Jason did so much there, didn't he? And, and various yeah, yeah, people, absolutely. you know. And, absolutely. And uh, and of course uh, you know only when I laugh and rising damp and. All, all yeah. these kind of things. Um, yeah, 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 I mean, it's a brilliant. It was a fantastic era, fantastic era. So going back to EastEnders. So, so, so yeah, so Lofty started off as a, as, as a barman. You didn't know any of the other actors uh, in there. How, um, I mean, obviously you're an actor, so you... I'm you, not you, sure he did start as a barman. Did he not start as a barman? I'm not, okay.
1: sure, I'm not sure he was a, a barman at first. Um, I think he was a bit more of a waif and stray than that. Oh, really? Right? Yeah, Ended yeah. up yeah. getting a job in the in the pub, as it were. Yes. Um, yes. I don't yes. think you know we we didn't join him in his job working behind the bar at the Vic. It, it, it took a it, while it, yeah. It act. emerged
2: over time. So, yeah. um, what, what was just a slight aside? What, what, what was how? Why did you and Gretchen argue at the beginning? Then what was all that? Oh, I don't
1: know. It would have been politics or something. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I used to. She and I got on great as actors. There was a real, you know, because our characters were quite, you know, we lived in the same building upstairs from Dr. Legg. And so there was, that was built in as a, a kind of existing relationship pretty much from the start and always really enjoyed work. She was fantastic to work with, Gretchen. Um, really, really good actress and kind of, just the kind of actor I really like, just gets on with it. Do you know what I mean? And, and plays, you know, you you knew... Gretchen wasn't just saying her line; she was listening to yours, and you know it, it, she was great to work with. However, anything else to do with life on Earth, we probably didn't really see eye to eye. So it was, you know, it would have been something—I don't know—politics or something or know around.
2: <laughs> well, of course, you—you you do I mean, you, you had some great people you were having to work with at that particular point in terms of, you know, legends of of acting. I mean, you—you you obviously there was Anna Wing, of course, as well. Are you? Did yeah. quite a lot with, didn't you? You 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 got a lot of scenes with Anna over over the time you were there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you tend to remember scenes where you were kind of one on one with people. Do you know what I mean? Though, though, you know, and so that was, you know, it was kind of the Vic it was Ange and Den and Sharon. Obviously, later on, it was with uh, you know Sutali Michelle a lot with kind of Bill Treacher and a lot actually early on with uh, John Altman and with Linda Davidson who played Punk Mary and yeah. a lot of stuff yeah. there that that uh, that whole kind of relationship with with Mary kind of bit slightly kind of prefigured what happened with um with Michelle later on so I kind of with Anna a lot of the scenes I was in with Anna there were a lot of other people around I know if, you know she was obviously she was absolutely kind of core character, you know, that family, I think was originally envisaged very much as the heart of the heart of the drama. If you, you know, the heart of the community that, that, if you, if you said one thing that EastEnders was going to be about, it was about that family. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. obviously, because of one reason or another, a, a kind of different pole existed very quickly, which was the pub. Yeah. Um, and all of the relationships that were connected with that. And I, I'd probably say that, you know, one of the reasons why Lofty was such an... Um, uh, there were all sorts of reasons, to be honest, why Lofty was such an amazing character to play. But one of those was that he was quite a central figure in both those worlds.
2: Yeah, he was. He was very you, much you know, so. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and that meant that you, you were kind of either at the heart of, or at least on the fringes of, some of the
2: very, very best stuff. I'm just trying to think back, because I, I did watch EastEnders from uh, the very beginning as a little boy of 12 or 13 or whatever it was. Lofty, at the beginning, obviously we know the complicated story that happened later with, with Den and, and and Michelle and Lofty and all the rest of it. But at the beginning, Lofty was a, was sort of bullied a bit by Den, wasn't he, mainly? That was one of the big things, wasn't it? From yeah, yeah, o. well,
1: and he was also bullied by, by uh, John Altman's character, um, yeah. Nick Cotton. Yeah. Um, in fact, he was bullied, do you know what I mean? And, and, and he he was kind of a bit of a, you know, he was a bit of a, well, he was a bit of a lost soul and he was a bit of a kind of, you know, and a very kind of incredibly sort of humble and um, transparent individual, which obviously, very much true to life, made him um, potentially, you know, left him exposed, left him... Uh, vulnerable, and um, you know, again, that was that was something that was that was really good to play.
2: EastEnders, been EastEnders, there was a lot of serious storylines, but also, um, Lofty's character also helped to bring a little bit of comedy as well, didn't it? Hundred percent. Well, that's what I'm saying. It, you know, uh, kind of, I don't know if I was aware
1: as aware of it as I might have been at the time, but you know, it is if you to have a character that has real real dramatic storylines but also y- you would describe probably as a comic character that's that's really good for an actor that's really good um so I, you know i've always felt like that was i was very lucky to to get the chance to do both in that in that situation do you know what i mean
2: yeah definitely
3: Um, definitely yeah he's a household name hello mr john sim my gosh i'm recording for my airing cupboard jesus yeah new to distinct nostalgia hello is that monsieur joe calzaghi it is what tea bags do you buy joe tetley's mate see if tetley's get older this podcast they'll go nuts joe calzaghi (laughs) is the tetley's tea drinker join queerest folk star craig kelly as he reminisces with friends from the worlds of showbiz and sport. Hello? Is that Mr Terry Hall? Uh, Yes, it is. Hi, Craig. I was about ten, and I didn't know what a political song was. Ghost Town, I knew that that was. And so you connected with a ten-year-old. You
4: know, the idea has always been with me, you communicate. This is your voice, you express your feelings, and to recognise that other people feel this too is a great thing, really.
3: Kelly's heroes. God, that was amazing. Every Tuesday until September 1st. I will speak to you anon.
2: Was there some comparison at the time, or did they try and compare your character of Lofty with the character of Curly in in Coronation Street? Was there some talk of Uh, that at one point, about it being... I think there was some. There was. Actually, um, obviously, I...
1: I went to university in Manchester. I'd run a small scale touring company in Manchester. I knew a lot of people in Manchester. Did a lot of work with a band, Manchester band called Alberto Elos Trios um, CP Lee, God rest his soul, who died recently. Oh, yes, um, yes, so CP
2: Lee,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was a bit kind of on it with, you know, we used to do, you know, we put on plays at the Hacienda, for goodness sake. you know what I mean? We were kind of on it a bit um, in Manchester. So I, I did actually meet Kevin Kennedy a few times and I, I seem to remember him saying to me, oh, d- your character is like mine in Coronation Street. Like I say, something that I did twig quite early because people would come up to you and instead of saying, oh, you're lofty, aren't you? They'd say, oh, you're curly, aren't you? <laughs> so I knew there was something going on there. Yeah, but, um, it was sort of, yeah. Sort
2: of, they were both sort of hapless but intelligent sort of characters
1: yeah but, uh, yeah but he was a good lad kevin he was big into his music wasn't he
2: yeah definitely yeah, yeah. music. Yeah. absolutely absolutely it, it feels as though you were in it for a lifetime but you were only in it for what three was it three years altogether
1: yeah funny enough i actually went to i went to see him after a year and said oh look you know really good and that but you know if i wanted to do the same job for the rest of my life i would have you know i would have got a job in a bank or something but and I said, I really, I, 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 I'd quite like to leave now, thanks. And I remember the, the upshot. I mean, I wasn't sort of, I wasn't pushing me luck or complaining or anything like that. I just genuinely thought, oh, well, this has been really good and probably I should move on. Do you know what I mean? But as it turned out, what happened was that they kind of went, well, look, actually, we've got about, four or five years of storylines for Lofty, roughly sketched out. So we'd really rather you didn't leave. And what we'll do is we'll compress those into the next couple of years. So stay for that time, which I did. And which obviously I'm, you know, I'm really pleased I did um, because it it was then that all the stuff, you know, around Michelle and what have you really kind of kicked in. Which is, I guess, what the character is remembered for more than anything. So, and I, I wasn't kind of forcing anyone's hand, or i was, was been quite genuine. I thought, you know, if you're an actor, then probably a year is good, and you move on and do something else. But they did convince me to stay and said, "Look, there's some really good storylines. We want you to stay," and I, I agreed to, and um, so did another two years, and then left. Yeah, I guess about three years into the run of the the run of the show.
2: We'll be back after a quick break. You still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You feel yeah. me? Loading them up on it, it only takes structure,
1: and and you know just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah, know what I mean
3: So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little? I mean, yeah,
1: yeah. We all we all artists over here, man. I'm y'all trying, already? Yeah,
3: I'm yeah. Trying, yeah. Trying, oh yeah, trying,
1: I'm trying, trying, trying to get
3: them on there. Yeah, yeah. Hey, me,
1: all artists man we go you feel me we're gonna have this like bro, me and my man like me and my man Kyle, we be like i don't know we play we play with this, <laughs> play shit, right with this right? shit i don't know we play with this shit right now for real oh, don't, don't play with don't it, play
2: it. take that shit soon. when you first started obviously as you say at the beginning you didn't really know where it was going to go what was going to happen whether this thing was going to last you know six months or 60 years or whatever you just didn't know what was going to happen When was the point that you realised that EastEnders was huge and everyone was watching and that this was a big, big thing for the BBC? I can't be sure, but my memory is that it happened pretty quickly.
1: It happened pretty quickly. It happened, I think, the thing that really kind of caught fire with it was the relationship between Den and Angie. Um, quote-unquote real-life publicity surrounding Les, Les Grantham, and his background. And obviously, people, if if people watch telly together, I don't mean families watch telly together, I mean a country watch telly together, because you had basically, you know, you had BBC One, ITV, BBC ITV, and then you had the kind of post-channels, BBC Two and Channel Four, and that was it, and that was it. So once the word started getting round, I think it happened quite quickly. So I would say within three months, you're thinking, hang on, like I can't go out without people coming up to me in the street. I can't go to the shop without people coming up to me in the street and all that. And you know, that happened pretty quickly We were doing two episodes a week and there was an omnibus edition on Sunday and I think that uh, part of the reason why things kicked off so quickly with it was obviously, you know, people had far fewer things they could watch, you watched programmes when the television companies put them on, you didn't, you know, there was no sort of decision making really for the the audience other than the on-off button. The fact that we were only doing two episodes a week, I think, was absolutely fundamental to the success of the show. And it's something that potentially soap operas have lost now because they're now three episodes, four episodes, you know. What made EastEnders successful? Look, there were some really good writers on the job. There were some really good actors on the job. There were some good storylines, all of that. But obviously what made EastEnders kick off was that the watching that viewers found something to engage with. And so obviously television companies and the BBC or ITV with the street or whatever, they'll obviously go, oh look, we're getting fantastic viewing figures. That must be because our show's so good. So if we do more episodes, then that will carry on. Actually, it doesn't work like that. I think with soap operas, the thing that really makes soap operas catch fire is the time in between episodes. So what you'd get with EastEnders, for example, is you'd have people talking about the episode from Thursday night. going, did you see and talking about that and then talking about what's going to happen on Tuesday. And so it was actually the conversation around EastEnders and not just EastEnders itself. Which made the show as successful as it was, as quickly as that happened. Whereas now, of course, you know, if you've got kind of three, four, four episodes a week, five sometimes, well, there's no room for that talk. And each episode becomes a little less important because it's not got that groundswell of 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 um, conversation amongst the millions of people watching it um, to to build on. And so I think that's partly why people started talking about it. There was a kind of immortal line from someone or other. I can't remember who said it, but said the only unreal... Brookside was showing at the same time on Channel 4, and somebody wrote or said at some point, the only unrealistic thing about Brookside is that nobody on the show talks about what's happening in EastEnders. (laughs) And that was it. The point with EastEnders, yes, good stories, great writing, some really good acting. But the real thing was people started talking about it. And that's what meant that we got to a point fairly quickly where big episodes were being watched by 25 million people at a time.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was
1: people talking about it. That was the key, not the thing itself. The thing itself had to be of a certain standard and obviously had to engage people, but two episodes a week left the time. For people to talk about it. And there wasn't the same pressure on plot lines
2: and narrative and do you know what I mean? You could
1: you could yeah. you had time yeah. to develop
2: stories. And and some of those storylines, some of those some of those episodes when you look back on them, uh, not just in, in East there but in lots of the other soaps as well, or, or drama serials, you know, they they did take their time to do something. Sometimes there were very quiet moments, you know, there were Yeah, yeah. You you, you sort of yeah, they were, they, they were done, in a way, in real time, whereas everything seems speeded up these days, do you know what I mean? No, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Well, they were, they, once or two, actually, there were, sometimes they actually were done in real time, and eventually, you, you, this kind of led to the two-handers, you know, where you, yeah. you, there was a director, one particular director, a guy by the name of Mike Gibbon, who was, um, he was really good for the show, actually, and I always, didn't really talk much to the guy, but I liked... You know, he, he was a really good director. I liked what he did. And I remember there being a big scene in the pub. And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to remember exactly what happened. It was Den, Angie, Sharon and Lofty. And I have a feeling it was a, a, an episode where, where Sharon kind of, kind of seduced Lofty. It was all quite, you know, and then Den came in and it all went off. And do you know what I mean? I, I, roughly, I think that's more or less what happened. I, I don't remember. The, but what I really remember is that this was like a kind of probably an 11 or 12 minute scene. And we used to film in studio Wednesdays and Thursdays and film outdoors on the lot on a Friday. So you had to get the interiors all shot on a Wednesday and Thursday. And I remember, we, you know, we're working on the two episodes from that week, working, working with. It's getting really late. And we actually got to about half past 10. And this one single big long scene hadn't been shot. And I, I think we all, you know, Leslie and Anita and, and Letitia and I, we kind of realised what was going on. And basically, what Mike had done was slowed everything else down because what he wanted was for that scene to be shot like a piece of theatre. He wanted it on one take. And he only left time to shoot that scene once. And, you know, this may sound a little bit kind of, in fact, I'm sure it does sound a bit lovey, but for actors, (laughs) that's really, that's proper fun that is. When you know it's 20 to 10, you've got a 12 minute scene, there will be no retakes. Yeah. Do it. Do the scene. And he set up all his cameras, you know, and all his moves, because obviously it's not just the actors, but it's the whole crew. Have to do, you know, because obviously you get retakes as often from technical issues as you do from actors forgetting their lines or, you know, crashing over each other. So he had set this situation up where basically he was shooting the the scene that was going to take you to the end of the episode the the, the, the bit at the end that scene and it was a long scene he was setting that up as live television
0: so it was recorded live
1: effectively Yeah, yeah, yeah it was it was brilliant and obviously at the time you thought oh wow that's you know that's groundbreaking of course, then you sort of you read and you find out. And of course, all drama was shot like that back in the day. Do you know what I mean? There, there was no such thing as retakes and stuff. That, that's how things were back in the day.
2: Well, Coronation Street was live, wasn't it? On the first, on the first night. hundred percent.
1: hundred percent. But then for us, that was really, really exciting.
2: You mentioned there about, about the, the whole thing of, of Den, you know, catching, possibly catching you and Sharon, you know, because he, he, he never wanted his princess touched by anybody, did he, really? Um, and and Lofty, wouldn't be, Lofty wouldn't be good enough for his princess, would, would he?
1: Well, just the thought would never cross his mind, you know what I mean? I, I think it would be just a complete impossibility. Now, think of the two characters. Think of Sharon and think of Lofty. That ain't happening, is it? With with Den and Angie as her mum and dad, that ain't happening.
2: Exactly. But it exactly. it
1: sort of you know Sharon for whatever reason got it in her head that she was gonna you know seduce Lofty. Um, it was it was a really well written scene as well, and you know Letitia's great. I mean she's she's proper and sort of still going strong in it and stuff. And you know we got on really well, and there were a lot of good actors in it. You know, yeah. and I mean good actors as in. I mean, good actors, as in putting really good performances. But good actors is in, as in people you could, you could really work with, you know. And yeah, yeah. definitely, you know, that, like that, those three, mm-hmm. uh, Anita, Leslie, and and Letitia, those were people you could proper play with, you know, play as in acting. You yeah. really could. Uh, it
2: was great. It was great. Tell us a little bit about that, that the, the pub side of things then, and and, and playing with those three actors as you say they're fantastic you know was it anything you can particularly remember about the way Leslie or Anita or or Letitia used to work and things that sort of quirky things that used to uh, impress you or annoy you or make you laugh or whatever well
1: I always think that you know for me the the best actors are the best listeners you know and you you always felt like with those three they they just and Sue Tully was great like that as well that you know, that you felt like they were, they were listening to your character. You you weren't taking it in turns to say lines. Do you know what I mean? You, you were actually engaging in character and that was, and they were all really, really good at that. That was how they approached the job of acting. And they were, they were all three of them. They were very funny people. So we did, you know, there was a lot of laughing till you cried went on. I, I'm, me and Les, obviously, you know, we both loved our football. He was West Ham, I was Arsenal, so we could have, you know, plenty of good rows about that. You know, uh, Anita and Letitia were kind of, kind of, uh, they were just, there was spark. There was a spark. And they, um, you know, they, they were both the kind of people, the kind of people, never mind the kind of actors, who if they walked into a room, you went, oh, aye, aye. Do you know what I mean? It was, they had a real life about them. I actually went back in for, I did an episode. Uh, you went in with Linda yeah, Davidson, I,
2: didn't
1: you? Yeah, yeah. And, but you know, you kind of, I hadn't, I hadn't seen Letitia Dean for years. You just kind of go straight back to it. Do you know what I mean? Just filthy humour, laughing, laughing till you cry. Do you know what I mean? Um, in jokes trying to make each other laugh on camera, that kind of thing. You know, they were just great to work with. And so, yeah, we we had a a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And obviously because that set was obviously the busiest set, certainly out of, well, it was the busiest set full stop, interior or exterior, you know, because socially a pub is a, a place where people bring their dramas. So you would be doing stuff. There was the drama around the pub, but then there was also all these other people's dramas going on in the in the Queen Vic. So it was, yeah, those, those were those were good. I mean, there was plenty of standing around and you know <laughs> pretending to pour beer and all that. But um, no, it was it was good,
2: fabulous. And of course, you were you were playing younger, but you you were sort of older than the. The the, the the sort of the youngest actors in there, weren't you?
1: Yes. Yeah. So I guess there were there were kind of there was a, a sort of teenage generation, if you know what I mean, uh, which was Letitia, Paul, Sue Tully, Linda Davidson, you know, uh, Ian Beale, uh, Adam Woodjap was was that sort of age as well. And I was probably in in real life, I was probably about 10 years older than them. And certainly I was five or six years older the character was at least five or six years older than those guys, so yeah, he was—he was kind of a little bit sort of
2: stuck between generations, really. And in real life, did you find obviously that you know at that particular moment, I suppose you know there was a lot of Ferrari about Eastenders, but you still had to live your lives and go out and socialise and all that kind of thing. Did you find yourself socialising with the younger lot or the older lot, or what what, what? what did you do generally?
1: That's a good question. Um Well. That's a good question, actually. I I don't really, I don't remember particularly (laughs) socialising. You're too busy. (laughs) Well, but, you know, with with other members of the cast, it was more kind of, you know, you got done, you got on really well, don't get me wrong. Got on, you know, had some great relationships, but certainly in the early days, it was more... Later on, and I started a football, we had a football team going and one thing and another, and, you know, that was more sort of, it became more social. But certainly in the early days, it it wasn't particularly like that. But, um, yeah, I I don't remember there being that much by way of kind of, um, I think I was quite friendly with Nejdet Sali early on, Peter Dean. I I think mostly because they were people I had scenes with. Because I think Lofty did work in the CAF for a little while. He did, well. yeah, for a while. That's right. Um, so I had scenes with, you know, Nedjet and Sandy, and
2: you know, but really, no, it, did, it didn't really, it, it didn't really work like that. Just, I want to talk a bit about Susan Tully in a minute because obviously she's a she's a, a brilliant talent in lots of different ways, and yeah. you worked with her very closely. But before we do, just remember some of those other peripheral characters who sort of disappeared fairly quickly. So. You got, uh, there was a couple called, um, Andy and Debs and the Scottish guy, yeah, yeah. Ross Davidson. He died quite young, didn't he? Sadly. Yes, he um, did. Yeah. But, yeah. um, what, you know, can you remember some of those characters who weren't there for very long? Um, I mean, Debs and Andy
1: were like the, the yuppies. Do you know what I mean? They were the kind of yeah. middle-class people coming in into this sort of quote unquote, um, working class community or the BBC's idea of a working class community. <laughs> um, and they were going to do the place up, and do you know what I mean? Oh, we'll fit right in here. We'll be, we? you know. And um, yeah, they were. Um, I think they were important characters in that sense because there was there was a bit of perspective.
2: So, so, so there was them, and then there was the Asian couple, wasn't there? Um, the original Asian couple who were in it um, yes. at the shop. Certainly, there weren't many Asian characters on TV at the time, were there in soap operas?
1: No, absolutely. Now, was that Sri Goshe? It was. Um, it
2: was. Yeah. 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 And Andy. But um, yeah, absolutely.
1: And I remember getting on, I got on really well with Shreela, actually. And I have I've, I've run, run into her once or twice since, actually. She's, she's gone into other fields altogether, a bit like Linda Davidson has just
2: kind of gone and reinvented. Well, a bit like me, maybe. In a yeah, way. you've reinvented yourself. gone on soft, and completely
1: kind of reinvented herself. Sayed
2: yeah. and yeah. yeah. Say Naima Jeffrey were the, were the characters. That's right.
1: And it was Shreela Ghosh and Andy. Andrew Johnson. Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Yeah. yeah andrew if yeah if you ever hear this forgive me for not remembering but um, <laughs> but no absolutely and i you know i remember getting on really well with with andrew and Srila. um both you know enjoyed working with them but also kind of kind of connected with them personally but i remember how you know she was really kind of committed and Srila was really aware of you know the importance of that couple in terms of both uh, uh, representation of an Asian couple in popular culture, you know, on on television show that was going out at, at peak viewing, but also as a, a kind of kind of bit of a standard bearer for Asian actors in the business, um, and she was really, you know, very kind of bright and very ambitious, not just for herself, but on a in a, in a wider sense. And I remember Shreya ended up. Uh, joining the same actors' cooperative that I was a, a, a part of at the time, and um, that wasn 't an accident that definitely came out of conversations we had about you know around around what that character meant um, and what she hoped it, it might achieve mm-hmm.
0: This is Distinct Nostalgia by MIM, the home of a regular quiz testing your TV and film knowledge. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Star Trek, so can you ask me some questions on that, please? I absolutely loved
4: Pet Play. Was that presented by Susan Strang?
0: I'd like to have some questions about Coronation Street in the 90s. How would you like to be crowned Distinct Nostalgia Mind of the Month and win a Distinct Nostalgia mug in the process? If you think you could answer random questions on both a chosen subject and if you get to the final TV and film general knowledge, then drop us a message now on the contact page of the Distinct Nostalgia website. DistinctNostalgia.com Distinct Comedy. Fresh and original.
3: Hello officer, I want to report a robbery. A new series about the secret world of nocturnal security. Yeah,
4: I ordered a Chinese from the golden moon and they forgot to send me a can of coke. A distinct
3: comedy presentation.
4: Well, yeah, I consider it an emergency. I'm gasping here. That idiot on the day shift stolen the last of my flicking tea bags. Barry Pigeon protects. Well, I'm telling you, if you lot don't sort this out, it's going to be like big trouble in little China down here.
3: Follow the exploits of Barry Pigeon, the best night security guard in Chorley, as he discusses everything from his wife... She went too big for Zumba, so she signed up for Bumba. It's like
4: Zumba, only they just sit on their arse and flap their arms around a bit.
3: ...to his favourite food.
4: I love eggs, bloody love them. Poached, scrambled, fried, <laughs> scotched, cream.
3: I love them all! From Andrew Bertwell and Kurt Brooks, starring Roe David McClelland. And guest-starring Royston Mayo and Bruce Jackson. Columbo meets Sherlock,
4: that's me. Barry Pidgeon protects. I know what people think about this job, but it's not all sitting on your ass, drinking brews and watching Challenge TV. Uh, I
3: sometimes bring a book as well. Watch now at distinctnostalgia.com. Distinct drama, fresh and original.
0: Mr Fenn, I assure you that I have not come here to murder you however tempted I may be.
3: A terse 40-minute drama, set in a US correctional facility.
0: Oh, I see. You wish to be sent to the electric chair.
3: Yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 Mr. Fenton. That would not do at all. Starring the award-winning Joe Sims. In short, Mr. Fenton, you are what may be regarded as disposable
0: humanity, don't you dare think that I started all of this out of political ambition. Yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Daniels, I do think that. And to show you that there is such a
3: thing as redemption. To show you that you are educable and have potential. Show me? Show me, Mr. Daniels? I think you're done Show me my potential. As we forgive them. Available now. To place yourself in the centre of a dream doesn't make it a bad one. And this dream, my dream in whatever depths of despair it may have been born, has become the start of something real. Listen at distinctnostalgia.com or search for Distinct Drama wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Let's talk a bit about Susan then, because obviously yeah. things developed and you you developed this relationship with Sue Tully, who'd been through this situation with um, with Den and all that. I remember it all well, becoming, Michelle had. Rather Michelle, sorry, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Michelle yeah. had gone through this situation with... With Den, I remember it all being, you know, was a, you know, it, we were on tenterhooks, hooks, weren't we, all the time with that storyline for quite a long time. And um, but obviously, the, the sensible side of the this whole story was was your character, really. And I think everyone sort of um, felt for you um, in, in this sort of in in that period. Tell us a little bit about that storyline and, and working with with, with Sue, Sue Tully. Um, well,
1: Sue's character, Michelle was the character of Michelle was like the spiritual heart of EastEnders. She was the central character, certainly for as long as I was in it, and I suspect for quite a while after it. She was, if you said, what's this about? You'd say it's about Michelle. It's about Michelle Fowler and it's about what happens to her in the context of her family, in terms of growing up, in terms of, you know, all of this. And um, she had obviously been a television actress for a long time and wasn't phased by anything at all, Uh, didn't take the whole process. She respected the process, but didn't take it too seriously. In terms of acting for a camera, acting for television, she was absolutely pitch perfect, you know what I mean? Just knew knew how to pitch emotion um, for a camera to, to get it. And me and her did get on really well. We did get on really well, partly probably because we'd grown up quite close. I was obviously quite a bit older than Sue, but we we had quite a lot in common in the sense of where we'd grown up. We'd both grown up in Islington, um, you know, Both Arsenal fans. Do you know what I mean? We 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 had quite a lot of common ground, and very quickly once we started doing stuff together, there was I think it was a real sort of. um, There is no greater respect between two actors that when you know you can completely trust the person that you're working with, that whatever you give to that person, they will give back. Sorry, this is going a bit lovey again. Um, (laughs) But Sue was just that completely I just trusted her you know completely and we just we got on do you know what I mean and both of us obviously kind of by the time those Lofty and Michelle storylines developed we'd had a long time to develop our individual characters so by the time those two became relevant to each other the The two individual characters were really well established, and that helped helped us a lot, I think. And we just kind of, you know, and you know, it was it was good story. That was good story, and real sort of, um, you know, I think they were both characters who. I think to be honest, you know, thinking about it, you know, they were both characters who had enormous integrity and were both absolutely committed in pretty much in all circumstances
2: to doing the right thing. As I said before, I think um, the audience, you know, really sort of uh, during that storyline, began to sort of really care for your character. And I don't know if that was reflected in the feedback you got in terms of fan mail or whatever, but I think people identified with him quite a bit, didn't they? Um,
1: I don't know about identified, I think that people identified with the situation. Yeah. You know, uh, that, uh, I, th- I think that was the... It was, you know, because with everything, you know... <clears throat> look, actors can only ever mess up great writing. What I think people really engaged with was the quality of the writing. I think both Lofty and Michelle were inc- extremely well-written characters. And the, and the situation... That the writers put Lofty and Michelle into was really you know I, I just think was a it was, it was a really um a very powerful you know you had these two characters, both of them were were very kind of characters of great integrity and characters who wanted to do the right thing, mm-hmm. but the more they tried to do the right thing, the more the wrong things seemed to happen and yeah. that's
2: you know that's good. That's that's good drama, that, and real life in a way. That's yeah, yeah, in real absolutely. Life, it? Yeah. You know, and yeah. I think that was the great thing about EastEnders. I mean, it's become a cliche, hasn't it, over the years? Oh, EastEnders, oh, it's depressing. Or people often say that. Usually, people who don't watch it, actually. <laughs> but but actually, you know, there was that. There was a degree of realism about EastEnders that did did connect in terms of, you know, what? Well, yes, it was. You know, it was very gritty, and of course, it was soap opera. And, and all the rest of it, but um, those particular characters, you know, people like Michelle um, you know that th- th- there was, yeah, you could recognise them I think. Very yeah,
1: easy. I mean and it's funny really because you say oh, it was gritty, it was this, it was that, actually Lofty and Michelle that wasn't particularly gritty, that wasn't, that, that was just very it was actually very romantic Yes, it was, yeah, yeah. And kind of old school and yeah, they were, you know, they were in sort of Albert Square and you know a lot of it was happening in a pub and a cramped front room, and you know a bed sit, but actually, what was going on between the two characters was
2: fairly a fairly traditional
1: romance
2: yeah absolutely uh, and it and contrasted of course with what she'd been up to with Dan, as it were
1: <laughs> well no, I think that that too in its way was was kind of yeah, but no uh, uh, yeah, I'll take your point, but you know even that was. The, the 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 situation that evolved there was was
2: fairly kind of traditional in many ways yeah it happens it happens definitely definitely yeah now you were working also because we forget about this don't we? That, that particular time with soap soaps generally most people in soap operas were not we not generally they never t- tended to put people in soaps who were that well known because they, they wanted the soap to be bigger, or the drama serial, to be bigger than the actual individuals. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, but EastEnders book the trend slightly. Which, of course, sli- is no longer the case. No, exactly. You, loads of stars end up in it, don't they? But, yeah. but basically, at that particular moment, um, EastEnders booked the trend slightly, didn't they? Because, of course, they'd got uh, Wendy Richard in there, which we'd, we'd all grown up watching uh, Wendy Richard and Are You Being Served, of course. So um, I can't say I'd grown up uh, you Wendy <laughs> Richard on Are You Being Served. <laughs> well, did, did you? Um, no, she was she, she was known, kind of established... She?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, although I think that she had, um, she had worked with. Yes, we people knew her from *Are You Being Served*? But she had actually done drama, and she'd worked with Julia Smith previously. I think there was there there was a kind of you know it was it definitely wasn't oh we need a star in it. Yeah. Because um, obviously you know Wendy had no qualms about sort of dressing down and you know was couldn't have been more different from the character she played in. You Absolutely. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't about her as a well-known actress. It was much more to do with Julia Smith having an exist, her and Julia having an existing professional relationship and Julia thinking, this is the woman I want to play the mum in this central family. Um, so yes, you're right. She was a kind of very well-known actress already, but I don't think, that, I don't think in any respect, uh, she was cast because she was well-known.
2: No, and she played it exceptionally well. I mean, she's, she's brilliant mm. in that part. And a, and a real sad loss that she, you know, she, we lost her pretty early, didn't we, sadly? Um, yeah. Really sad loss. How did people react to Lofty? What kind of things would they say to you in the street? You know, by and large, I, th- I think that, um, uh, obviously, it was,
1: you know, it's in the interest of s- some people to kind of make out that the British public are, idiots and can't tell the difference between you know a character and the actor that plays the character so obviously what you'd have was people would come up to you and talk about lofty and as if you were lofty but with the unspoken understanding that they knew you weren't lofty they knew you were just the actor who played him do you know what i mean yeah that was if that's not too complicated yeah so by and large you're right the character was very sympathetic. So unless people had taken a drink, then I never had really anything but very kind of warm and uh, positive relations experience with people. They were, People were brilliant with me. Um, and, um, you know, people were affectionate, people liked the character. Um, so no, from that point, I think I probably got a bit above myself for a while. In fact, I think probably most people who, you know, most people who kind of go from nobody knowing who they are to everybody in the country knowing who they are, it's probably quite difficult for it not to go to your head a bit. Do you know what I mean? I think it did go to my head a bit. Um, But then you have to make the realisation that, of course, everybody else is making, which is actually people people ain't coming up to you. They're coming up to the character off the telly. They're coming up to... The guy who plays the character off the telly, exactly, exactly. Nothing and, to do and, with me, really. No. And no. once you realise that, you suddenly start thinking, "Why am I getting up myself about this?" Do you know what I mean? I hope it didn't last too long. I hope I wasn't a bit of an arse for too long. But it definitely kind of did. You know, it, it's hard for it not to go
2: to your head a little. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's a um, difficult thing. I mean, as you say, suddenly everyone recognises you. I mean, what what does that do to you? I mean. It, it, you know, it, it also means that it's, it can be quite difficult then to build other relationships, can't it, with people separate to the people who are close to you because, you, you know, you've got the whole thing of everyone thinks they know who yeah. you are, don't they? You know?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, that wasn't
2: a major issue. And to be honest, we
1: kind of, you know, even then we kind of milked it. You know, we started this charity football team, the Wolford Boys Club, me yeah. and Nick Berry and, you know, a few others. We got really into it. We got really into it. We were like training at Arsenal. uh, Arsenal player was coaching us. We were playing like 60 games a year. And it got very, very competitive. And, you know, because we're in EastEnders, this is like living the dream, right? (laughs) Is you go, you're as bad at football as I was, but I loved the game and I loved to play. And I loved, you know, everybody, like 15, 20 of us, descend on my flat in, in Holloway, on a um, on a Sunday morning and there's a minibus waiting and takes us off to a game somewhere or other, or sometimes you would have weekends away. And you know, we'd have like 10, 15,000 people turning, turning up to watch us play football. How could you, that's living the dream. And you're yeah. playing against people who you've watched play football, ex-professional footballers. Do you know what I mean? We even had one guy, brilliant bloke, a guy called Dean Holdsworth, who won't mind me telling the story now, but Dean was playing for Brentford at the time and I don't know how I met him, but I did, you know. And he used to come and play for us on a Sunday on the understanding that no one told his club. So he would play professional football on a Saturday for Brentford and he'd come and have a kick around with us on a Sunday <laughs> in charity football. Do you know what I mean? We had an absolutely brilliant time. And of course, if people hadn't been responding to the characters from the show, then that, none of that would have happened. And it that was that was fantastic.
2: Let's bring things full circle then. So you came back into it um, recently, and you say that that was literally just like just stepping back in time again. You were you were there, and it, you, you might as well not been away for so many years.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about that because obviously the setup is very different, and yeah. the way of working is very different. It was a really good storyline. It was, you know, and it was sort of. Uh, you know, it's a bit of interesting kind of all oh, what happened to whatever happened to. Do you know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for me as an actor to find out what they had in mind for what had happened to to Lofty in the meantime, and so it was good storyline, good scenes, great with Letitia and Gillian and Linda and you know people that you, you know, had done so much work and enjoyed working with so much back in the day, and suddenly you're sort of there and just the same, the same old jokes and. <laughs> uh, it was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun and it was, to be honest, it was an eye opener as well. Cause it was, um, you know, I did quite a lot of press around it at the time. And I, t- I have to say, I was really, you know, just talking to the current cast and stuff. I just, I just thought, wow, there's fantastic sort of work ethic. And, you know, I think the actors have to work really hard to kind of mm. keep up the, because of the turnaround, because everything has to happen so quickly, doing four episodes a week. I just, you know, and how do you keep up with Amazing, all these different storylines? Yeah. I just, you know, I was kind of full of admiration really yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for how, how the current cast work. Yeah, so it was good actually. And funny enough, at the time, I thought, wow, Like I, I looked at what they were doing, the, the people now, the actors now, and I thought, do you know, I'd really like to have a go at that. <laughs> I'd love to have a go at doing it how they have to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would, I think it would be a real, because I, I just, I thought they really do graft, you know, um, in a way that perhaps we never had to. You know, we worked hard, don't get me wrong, but there was time.
2: Of course. You know, rehearsing
1: not on camera. This, it's just like, you've got your scripts, learn your lines, go and do it. Off you go. It's yeah. really, yeah. you know, enormous pressure and stuff. So it must feel like almost like every scene is being done live.
0: Yeah. Do you yeah. know what
1: I mean? They can't, there's not a lot of time for no. retakes. And, and one thing or another, And I, you know, I, I did at the time, I remember thinking, God, I wouldn't mind a go at this. Do you know what I mean? wouldn't mind <laughs> having, with the memory of what it was like back in the day, I wouldn't mind having a go at, you know, seeing if I could do this now in the,
2: in the circumstances that, that the, the current cast work in. Would you would you like to see uh, lofty go back for a bit longer stint then? I don't know I, I,
1: if it, if it was if there was a, if there was a story to do then I would probably yeah I mean I, I, I'll be honest I'll say you know yeah great but then <laughs> I look at the work, the amount of work I've got in front of me and I'm thinking <laughs> you know, dream on, but it is nice yeah. having someone else make the tea yeah you know most of what I do I have to make the tea um so but yeah absolutely i would if there was a storyline for for lofty then i I think i would as much as anything just you know for the for the challenge for the crack yeah um you know and i I did obviously took took time to kind of chat to some of the you know and there's some really good people working on it um now and so yeah absolutely um i've just got a few
2: things i've just got to get finished with first (laughs) Oh, it'd be great! It'd be great to see Lofty back. Great to see Lofty back. Mm. But of course, I mean, it's been going for thirty-five years now, and obviously, yeah. Ada Woodgett's been there since the since the very beginning. And, and Ian Beale's character has obviously evolved and changed over the years, yeah, but yeah. it's still a l- linchpin of uh, of the show. And of course, it's nice to have Letitia back and Gillian back as well because you've got those yeah, yeah. core characters from the very beginning. So you left in nineteen eighty-eight, but as you yeah. said, right at the very beginning, it it was three years, but it was three years that changed your life wasn't it
3: yeah
1: absolutely it was you know i, I yeah absolutely, 100% 100% and it has never been anything but a really good thing for me professionally do you know what i mean whatever i've gone on to do um you know particularly in terms of kind of writing broadcasting kind of obviously I've gone on to you know I've, I've gone on to have some great work as an actor but I've also done quite a lot of writing quite a lot of broadcasting and and the, the thing is what you real what's if you if you're on telly in people's front rooms kind of two three times a week if three times a week if they watched used to watch the omnibus you know when you kind of sit down to interview someone for a book or you're on a call to someone on a radio phone in or whatever it's almost like people feel like they know you, and you can kind of—you don't have to go through a lot of a. There's you kind of have access to people, in a way that I can't imagine would be possible if I hadn't been in EastEnders. That people aren't kind of defensive. You don't have to sort of feel your way around with people. People feel like they know you already, and that's uh, that's a, a that's been a big plus in a lot of the stuff I've I've gone on to do.
2: Um, subsequent
1: to EastEnders.
2: Yeah, it breaks the ice, doesn't it, basically?
1: Yeah,
2: 100%. Well, in fact, it doesn't break the ice. There is no ice to start with. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, so straight after that, I mean, you, you, So you, it, was your, it was your choice to go, was it? It was your choice to go at that point? Yeah,
1: I mean, look, I was all, obviously I'd gone in after a year to say I wanted to leave um, and then stayed three um, in the end. But I'd always thought I'm going to go off and do other... So, for example, when, um, you know, whenever there was a break, if I I had a holiday, the tradition was, for people in in soapbox, was to either go on holiday or to go and do panto. Um, Neither of which I ever did. Every time I had a break, I would go and do a play somewhere. Um, Or I would go and do some presenting work. Because I always thought I want to be doing stuff after this, do you know what I mean? So, and obviously because I was in EastEnders at the time, it did mean I got involved with a couple of very, very good shows, theater shows, fantastic play down at the Theatre Royal Stratford East um, with the legendary Philip Hedley directing a fantastic Victorian melodrama called The Ticket of Leave Man. And then a play of my own that I wrote, which was uh, on a, um, a pub theater in islington in the King's Head, which was actually with, it was a two-hander, and it was me and um, Rio Fanning, who was the writer who got me into EastEnders in the first place. Ah. We acted in it, and it was directed by one of the very best directors to ever work with EastEnders, Antonia Bird. So, you know, I always had that in my mind. And I was also doing a, a thing for ITV, just, at, just when... Um, when late night television, could, people forget. You know, eleven o'clock at night, twelve o'clock, close used to down. The test card, yeah, absolutely. ITV had a thing called Night Network that I used remember to go that. out. Yeah. yeah, used to start on. You know, went out Fridays and Saturdays. I think. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: and that started at midnight. Yeah. And I was one of the original presenters on that.
2: Yeah, um, I think I remember. I think I remember. Was that around the same time as they started doing the what was it called, the Hitman and Her, or whatever it was? That came on in the middle of the night as well with uh, with. Um, yeah, Michaela them? Strachan yeah. and the
1: um, the guy, uh, yeah. Waterman, uh, yeah, Waterman. Yeah, that's it, Pete Waterman. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, it might have been around the same time. It might have been around the same time. Because they were experimenting
2: um, with late night TV, weren't they? Basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah.
1: Night Network was that was um, that was good. That and that was that was really good. That was and obviously the fact that I was people knew me from EastEnders. The obvious thing is to say, oh well, that's probably why you got the job, and you know I'm sort of realistic enough to go, yeah, that probably is why I got the job. Yeah, so what, but, but, <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But when it came to doing the job, this is exactly what I'm talking about. What they had me doing wasn't acting. They didn't have me playing lofty. What they had me doing was interviewing. I was, I was doing interview strands. And what happened was I would sit down with musicians, with sports people, with actors, with directors, with whoever, and because I was off EastEnders, those people kind of felt like they knew me. So it wasn't I wasn't like an interviewer. They were interviews but they weren't exactly interviews. There was there was a sort of informality about it that kind of worked yeah. for Night Network. It and probably
2: um, probably helped because helped that your character was a nice character. If you'd been a bad one, yeah, yeah, you might not yeah, have been. probably <laughs> probably So did that uh, did you ever feel as though you'd like to maybe write for a soap opera or something? Um It did kind of cross my mind. Funny
1: enough, writing drama is not something I ever thought I was particularly, well, I'm not particularly good at anything. I do a lot of things sort of moderately, if you know what I mean, and get away with it. But I used to write for the touring theatre company that I had back in the day. I wrote this two-hander, um, uh, A Few Words Over Lunch, which actually did get kind of picked up by the BBC. And I was, you know, commissioned to turn what was a 40 minute play into a first episode of a comedy drama series. I did talk to The Bill actually about writing some episodes for them, but I'll be honest with you, I don't really think, funny enough, I I write treatments, I write pitch documents, I write synopses, you know, if you've got a series and you need a kind of 18, oh, I don't know, a sort of 12 to 18 page outline of the story and how it's all going to work. That's me. But to actually sit down and write the things, I'm not sure I'm kind of good enough for that. I think I, the, the things I write are, are, are not, um, I, I, I specialize in other kinds of writing.
2: So if the you best so, way to put it. so if you were to do something in you know, a drama serial soap or whatever, it probably be as a storyline rather than a right rather than actually. Yeah, write, I would yeah.
1: say so. I mean, because that is, uh, you know, I do do quite a bit of that. I've, I've worked for EA Sports on the FIFA game for the last five years, um, and that's exactly what I do for them. A um, I, I storyline for uh, for the FIFA game. Um, I've just finished work on a five part documentary series, and that my my although i have ended up kind of directing a couple of episodes and editing all five of them but my credit is writer and that is it's shaping narrative do you know what i mean and that that is more what i do than to to actually sit down and do the you know creating believable dialogue and stuff like that i'm not i'm not sure not sure that's for me Um, I think there are other people around a lot better at it than me.
2: (laughs) Um. Well, it's been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I think Lofty was one of the iconic characters of EastEnders, personally, and I'd love to see him back. I think it'd be fantastic. So, Tom, it's been a delight to talk to you, and all the best for the rest of your illustrious career.
1: Uh, Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) Distinct Nostalgia is produced by MIM. And you can hear lots more programmes via the Distinct Nostalgia Player. June Brown talks about the early days of EastEnders. I wouldn't like her for a neighbour,
1: not in the old days, because she was a right old gossip and <laughs> and she was prejudiced a lot. Yes. But uh, they used her to get rid of prejudice, you know, particularly in the gay storyline with Michael Cashman.
0: Yes. Henry Kelly is back and going for gold in any quiz programme. You've got to concentrate
3: what the point is, and I have to watch my breathing. We learned how to control me, the contestants, and the computer. That was
0: part of the gimmick of going for gold. These programmes and many more are all available now at distinctnostalgia.com. Get in touch via the Contact Us page on the website. Bye for now. Distinct Nostalgia is brought to you in partnership with Life Rooms
3: and Mersey Care NHS Foundation Trust. We've lots of activities for you to do at home at liferooms.org. Staying well, staying home.